0: Um, thank you for praying for our group that's leaving for Centric Kid tomorrow morning. If you would like to continue to pray uh, throughout the week, and we encourage you to do that, we have keychains and bracelets out in the lobby, and as well as cards with all of our names on it. We invite you to grab one of those and be praying for us this entire week. Uh Center Kid is an awesome week because it helps expedite uh, kids' spiritual growth because they're, they're in it entire week uh, learning uh, specific um, Bible stories and truths from God's Word, and so we invite you to be praying for that. We also invite you to be praying for our Airborne Camp that's coming up. Uh, It's our VBS, our Bible school that we do, uh, July uh, 9th through the 12th, and so uh, we invite you to go. There's a little display back there, and you'll find one of these game pieces And so we invite you to grab one of those just as a reminder also to be praying that God would work that out um, and help kids to come there and make a difference in their lives. Well, we are in a new series today. We are uh, embracing the fact that many are on vacation already and will be on vacation. And so we're also going to be on, uh, call our series, Family Vacation. where we're looking, and if you will, kind of traveling through some of the Psalms uh, as we kind of engage with God's Word and help uh, ourselves and our hearts be enlightened and engaged with our Lord. So we're looking at the Psalms, and I thought it would be helpful to kind of start off and, and help us understand what are the Psalms and what's the purpose of the Psalms. Well, you may realize this, but uh, many of them were written by David. Of course, you have Solomon writing many as well, Asaph, some others. And the songs, uh, the Psalms are really a songbook. David himself, uh, an accomplished musician and a, a poet even. And so the Psalms were put together to be a songbook for our hearts. Really, the Psalms... Are prayers the Psalms are uh, personal prayers of David that were penned and given to you and I to inform our prayers as well and I love that God didn't give us a prayer book he didn't give us the Psalms as you know a list of rules a list of prayers he didn't give us the book of Psalms as a story, our, our prayers are not a story. We have those, of course, in the Bible. But he gave us in these prayers in song form. They are songs. They are meant to be expressed. They are, they're poems. They're poetry. And uh, I, I read a great, great quote this week by a guy named Dane Ortland. And he's talking about this idea of the Psalms that the Lord gave us. And he said this, He gave us poetry, which itself reflects the beauty of God himself and how God wants to enchant, allure, woo, and draw us up into him. He is supreme beauty. He has given us these gorgeous poems to pray to lift us up into that beauty. Dane continues to say he does that to change us and lift us up in deeper glory. He wants us not to be drawn down into the way that sin is pulling us down into the gutter of this world. He wants to lift us up. That's what the Psalms are. The Psalms are this opportunity when life and difficulty and all the things of life, and as Dane Ortland shared, that the sin of the world drawing us down into the gutter of the world, God has given us something to lift us up into Him, to lift us up into His glory, to fix our gaze from what's in front of us and what's around us and the difficulties that we face, but to pull our chin up to gaze at our Savior, to gaze at our Lord, to gaze... At God. So our prayer is that we look through the Psalms this summer, our, our gaze would be lifted up, our hearts and our lives would be lifted up into our God, our Savior. So we want to lift you up into God's glory through the prayerful songs of the book of Psalms. Today we're going to begin by answering and asking a question. Asking a question and answering a question, I guess. And that is, how can I deal with anxious concerns? How can I deal with anxious concerns? Because, if we're honest, we all have them. We all have anxious concerns concerns in our life. Do you know that almost one in five people in the United States deal with general anxiety disorder? Almost one in five. Or anxiety of some kind. So, let's be honest. We could all use some help in discovering and realizing how do we deal with anxious ideas, anxious concerns, anxious... Thoughts. In fact, it it seems like right now in, in our world, and particularly in the United States, that we have this mental health crisis where anxiety perplexes uh, perplexes us and pervades our hearts and minds. And it's it's not a, a problem just of the world; it's a problem of the church. It's a pop problem that Christians face just the same. How do we? deal with that. And I think that there is a song here in Psalm 13 that helps us to to stop looking just at the anxiety that surrounds us, the anxious concerns. Now, even if you don't struggle with anxiety, which... If you don't, you probably eventually will, because life has difficulties. Life has trials. Life has things that you and I are not meant to face in our own strength. And so even if you're not facing anxious concerns or difficulties now, chances are you will. So how do we, when those things come... and? They attract our thoughts and gaze and mind to focus on all the things surrounding us. God has given us, through David, a song that we can sing, a a poem that we can pray, a, a prayer that you and I can lift up to God and say, God, help me in my anxieties. So there's a song in the Psalms that I think can give word to our prayers in those times. And that's my hope and prayer as we study through the Psalms over the summer is to give us real and definitive things that we can say back to God, that we can pray to God to help us in our great time of need. Let's read this, it's, it's uh, six verses. So would you stand with me if you're able and let's honor the reading of God's word by standing and, and maybe even lifting this up as our own prayer in this moment. Would you follow along with me there? Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumph over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord, because he has treated me generously. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And let's look at this passage and give word to our own songs and prayers but also i think four things come forward out of this passage out of this psalm that i pray will help us all in anxious times <clears throat> the first is this in anxious times how do you how do you respond to anxious times that's the question how do you deal with anxious concerns number 1 turn your mind and heart to the lord In the midst of your trials, turn your mind and heart to the Lord in the midst of your trials. David has a trial. He mentions an enemy. He mentions someone who's facing, uh, pressing in on him. He's chasing him down is what you kind of feel in his heart. He calls his his trial an enemy. It's most likely a real enemy because David had his fair share of enemies. But what does David do in the midst of his trial? Does he sulk? Now, it, it kind of seems like it. If you're not careful, it seems like he's sulking a little bit. He's like, oh, how long am I? But he doesn't ask himself that. He's not wallowing in his own self pity, he's turning to God, he's turning to the Lord. He's taking the thing that perplexes him, that's chasing him down, that's weighing in on him, and he doesn't just stay there and sit in it in his own wallowing, in his own uh, self-pity. He's turning it over to God. The very first phrase is, How long, Lord? Lord, how long? How long am I going to have to go through this? How long would this trial face me? How long is this going to weigh down in me and on me and over me? But nonetheless, he turns to God. What's interesting here, and this is foreign to polite, gentle, southern Christianity, right? We almost read this, and it's kind of like, oh, my goodness, did David say that to God? You can't say that to God. You can't accuse God. You can't. Uh, David is not gentle with the Lord. Is he? I mean, he's not. He, he, in this passage, he doesn't mix words. He's, he, he goes right into it. Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He's basically saying to God, God, it don't seem like you're here. It doesn't seem like you're nearby and I need you to be nearby. David is not polite or gentle with the Lord in this moment. And that's weird for us because in our southern Christianity and you know, we, we, we're polite with everybody. even we can, we can fuss somebody out and they don't even know it, right? Because we, uh, we know how to you know, bless their hearts and all this, right? David is not gentle with the Lord and I think... Oftentimes, we confuse reverence. Reverence is this idea of of awe and reverential awe. We confuse reverence toward God with gentleness or politeness. But David says to the Lord, how long will you allow this? How long will you seem to be... Plugging up your ears and not listening to my prayers, and if we're honest with with ourselves and with each other, we have prayed prayers in difficult trials and difficult times, and it seems like our prayers are just hitting the ceiling and back in, and bouncing back down on us. If we're honest and honest with ourselves and honest with the Lord, there's been times where we would have liked to say, Lord. Why? Why am I going through this? Why is this trial in my life? Why am I facing this, Lord? Don't you hear me? Don't you promise that you will hear my cry and answer them, Lord? And if we take David's example, then we realize maybe we should have asked the Lord those questions and just been gut honest with the Lord from time to time. But what we do is we package it up with reverence and awe and, well, dear Lord, just please answer my prayers. When maybe we should just say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I wish that I could hear your voice. I wish that you would just write it in the sky for me to see. I wish you would just say... Take it all away and help it to be fixed. But the Lord doesn't always work that way. David says to the Lord, How long will you allow this? How long will you keep not listening to me? And still, David didn't turn anywhere else, did he? He asked those questions, but he asked them of his God. He didn't turn to some other source. He didn't turn to some other God of the, of the uh, Philistines or the others. No, he turned to the Lord God, the one who was trustworthy, the one to whom he knew he could take his concerns and who he would hear from him and would answer him. And he said, Lord, I need you. <clears throat> he knew from where. He would receive his help in time. What enemy, enemy, what thing, what trial, what difficulty chases you down? What enemy is pressing in on you? What thing do you feel like you need deliverance from that thing? Is it addiction? Is it a difficult relationship? Perhaps bubbling up anger. I don't know. What, what, what? You and I have trials in our life, enemies in our life, things facing us, things pushing in on us, chasing us down. Where do you turn in those times? How do you fight anxious concerns? I pray you'll turn to Jesus. The second thing we see, we, so in anxious times, with anxious concerns, how do we deal with those? We, we've got to turn our mind and heart to the Lord in the midst of those trials. But secondly, we trust in the Lord's faithfulness despite the surrounding circumstances. We trust in the Lord's faithfulness. Now listen, listen very closely, because I think in the Christian community for too long, too long, We take verses like, don't be anxious and don't worry, and the Lord provides for all this, to somehow think that we have to heap up some kind of internal strength that we something may be wrong with us if we have anxieties, if we have anxious concerns. And we don't want to let people know about those, and we hide those, and we've spiritualized them. That's not what's happening here. If you'll pay attention to this passage He has real concerns. Anxieties really do face people. One in five deal with this. And we can't just say, well, you just got to turn to Jesus and it'll be okay. You may turn to Jesus in the midst of your anxieties and it may still not be fully resolved. And that's okay. Keep turning to Jesus. Keep turning to the Lord even in the midst of those real anxieties, real difficulties. What I want to say so clearly is if you face like real anxiety, like not just worries here and there, but like debilitating, and I know people face this, debilitating anxieties. There is not Something wrong with you. And I'm afraid that our society and Christian society has somehow made us to believe that. If you have to take medication for that, I think God is okay with that. I think you can get through it and He'll help you in the midst of that. We've done a disservice to to, to make ourselves think that there might be something wrong with us spiritually. I just don't think that's the case. Because David, we see him time and time again with real frets, with real worries, with real unresolved issues. And he's saying, Lord, I've cried out to you a million times and it seems like you're not listening. How long, Lord? That's just not how it works. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. That's something you face. I also believe that you could turn to Jesus in the midst of those things and he will help you through it. I don't mean that he'll help you get over it. I don't mean that he'll make it magically go away. He may not. Paul said the Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh to keep him reminded of his need for Jesus in his life, that his weakness would make Christ's strength stronger. And maybe that's what the Lord has for you in that. I don't know. But turn to the Lord in that. This psalm is not saying that just turn to God and it'll be okay. David is crying out in the midst of a difficult trial. And it seems for a moment as if God can't even hear his cry for help. And he cries out, how long, O Lord? Yet... In the midst of that, in the midst of the trial, David trusted that God was faithful. Even when the, the enemy kept pressing in, David said, I know, Lord, that you are faithful and my confidence is not in me or the fact that that might one of these days go away or that you'll just handle it and wipe it away. That's not where my confidence is. My confidence is in you, Lord. My trust is in you despite the surrounding consequences. David chose, chose to have confidence in God when it didn't even seem like God was listening. Even when God felt distant to David, David chose to believe in him anyway. When it seemed God was silent, David chose to believe in him still despite the surrounding circumstances. What circumstances do you face? What things are boiling you you over? What things are seemingly keeping you down in difficult places? Even though they may not end, continue to trust in the Lord's faithfulness. He's proven true before and he'll help you again in his timing. The third thing I think that comes forward from this passage, number one, we turn our mind and heart to the Lord in the midst of our trials. We trust in the Lord and his faithfulness despite the surrounding circumstances. And the third thing is we train our heart to rejoice in the Lord's deliverance. We train our heart. David says he rejoices in the Lord, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. David rejoices in God's faithful love and deliverance, and he believed his deliverance would come before it showed up. He believed his deliverance would come before there was any sign that it was actually coming. He believed that his deliverance was coming In the midst of his anxiety and when it seemed like all was crushing in and crashing down, and you and I in anxieties and anxious concerns, we have to train our hearts to rejoice that the God of deliverance will deliver us eventually, that deliverance is yet to come, but it will come. Because we know that the Lord will deliver when the time is right. This is His nature. This is who He is. He's the God of the Exodus, He's God of the deliverance, He's God of freedom, and He's the God who will give us help. Now, that's counterintuitive. It's not how we work. We live in a society that says, I can, if I want a meal, I can put it in the microwave and have it in just a couple minutes. We live in a society that says, well, if I want to know something, all I have to do is ask my phone and automatically it happens. We live in a society where we don't have to wait for anything. We live in a society where uh, we can fix whatever we want to fix in that moment, or it seems like we ought to be able to do that. But that's just not how real, the real world works. It's not how It has ever worked before and it's just not how it always works even in our walk with the Lord. So it seems counterintuitive, but we can trust God will deliver because that is His nature. That's what He does. And we can trust it before we ever see it. In our deliverance, listen, this is the difficult part. In our deliverance may not fully be realized on earth. And we have to get to the point where we are okay knowing that Jesus will get us through it all, even if it doesn't fully let up. And that is counterintuitive to who we are as a society. The fourth and final thing that we see here, number one, we tune our mind and heart to the Lord in the midst of our trials. trust in the Lord's faithfulness despite the surrounding circumstances. We train our heart to rejoice. And we have to train it. We have to train it because it's not what we typically do. It's not our nature to do it that way. We have to train ourselves to be ready for it. And that's what David is saying. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. The fourth thing is we tune our voice to sing about the Lord's generosity. David in verse 6 says, I will sing to the Lord because He has treated me generously. Once we taste and see that the Lord is good and deliverance will come, like David, we need to tune our voice to sing to our God, to worship Him. Remember, the songs are prayers. They're prayerful songs that we can pray and sing and recite they're worship songs that we sing to lift us up into the glory of who the Lord is and to not be dragged further down into the mire of this world. And we must realize and recall and understand that the Lord has been generous to us before and the Lord will be generous to us again and we must find ourselves see, singing to Him, worshiping Him, Because of his grace and his mercy and his love and his kindness. And you may think, well, how is the Lord generous to me? You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know the difficulty that awaits me. You don't know the mire that I'm already stuck in. You don't know the things that surround me. You don't know the trials and the difficulties that I face. Jesus said... Like Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, and anyone who looked upon it would be healed from their snake bite. So must I be lifted up, he said. So that when you look to me, don't look at the things that surround you, don't look at the things that pull you down, don't look at the things that are difficult around you. Tune your eyes toward me, tune your eyes toward the cross. Jesus was talking about that when he he quoted that, when he talked about the bronze serpent that Moses raised up. He said, I must be lifted up. And he said, I will die on a cross. And when I'm lifted up, when people look to me and look to my cross and look to my generosity and look to my grace and mercy, then they will be changed, friends. It always has been the cross. It always will be the cross that you and I relish in. We look to, we worship, and we realize our God is great and generous and loving and kind because God did not leave us to wallow in the mire of the world. He lifted himself up. He died a death he did not deserve so that you could have life and life eternal in him. Jesus Christ died on the cross, on the cruel cross, so you wouldn't have to endure the punishment of your sin. Jesus gave you and I what we could never earn, what we never deserved, and he gave it to us anyway. Paul tells us in Romans 5 that God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still Sinners, I like to put the word wretched there. I think it's okay because we see that elsewhere. When we were still wallowing in our sin, Jesus died for us. That is where the generosity of Jesus, of God, is great, is the most wonderfully seen, is in his cross. I pray today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I pray that you would look to the cross, that if Christ be lifted up, you look to Him, then you will be saved. If you'd like to do that, I'd love to share with you. I'd love to talk with you afterwards. You can come see me at that table as well and out in the lobby, and I'd love to share with you. You can come in just a few moments too. Whatever the Lord is leading you to, I'd love for you to be able to talk with you, help guide you to that, to look to the cross, to look to Christ, to look to His generosity. But in just a moment, we, we get to celebrate communion. The Bible tells us that we commune with Jesus' body and His blood when we take of the Lord's Supper. And we are remembering, we are remembering that Christ died on the cross, that is body was broken that his blood was spilled and we're recalling his generosity we're worshiping we're doing what the psalm says what david said i i sing my heart will sing to you lord and so you and i in just a moment are going to get to do that we're going to take of a little stale cracker and some welch's grape juice to remind ourselves that the body of christ was broken The blood of Christ was spilt. Can we just take a moment and pray for whatever's going on out there? I know we had several things go by. Who knows? God, we just want to pray for the situation that's happening nearby, Lord. I don't know if it's a fire, an accident, something, Lord. And We just take a moment to pause that you you would be with that situation, Lord. That you would use our, our uh, first responders, Lord, to, to, to help someone to to take care of whatever situation is there, or whatever awaits them, Lord. We pray that you would just be with the whole situation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking a moment just to pause there. So we remember the cross. We remember the cross of Christ. We remember his body broken, his blood spilled for you and I. We tune our hearts toward Christ and his generosity and the, the fact that he... Will deliver us one day because we will be with Him in heaven. Paul says we see like a, we see through like glim, dimly glass right now, but one day we will see Him face to face. That is where our deliverance lies, is in Christ, and He bought it and purchased it on the cross. I'm going to pray and if our, at that time our deacons will come forward. We, we invite you to participate and commune with the Lord's body and blood. Pray, pray with me and deacons, if you'll come forward. Lord, we, we thank you <clears throat> for your generosity on the cross, Lord. Thank you for giving us what we could not earn and we certainly don't deserve. Lord, would you use this moment, Lord, to speak into our lives and hearts? Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of any way that we fail you, Lord. Help us to focus on you and what you've done on the cross. We pray these things in Jesus' name.